Capcom has promised a special announcement this Thursday at Street Fighter League, but will it be Dan and or Season 5 related? We're not exactly convinced yet. Plus, Catalyst takes a look back over the trying days of Street Fighter 3 to highlight the crucial lessons learned about what a fighting game's success or failure seems to hinge on, and I speak from a more emotional standpoint about the biggest overarching takeaway I hope Capcom has gotten from Street Fighter 5. All on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hello, hello. How's it going today on this uh, beautiful Wednesday morning? Well, we, we got a special announcement of something happening. We, we don't know what it is. Uh, Capcom put it out there. They said, hey, stay tuned this Thursday around, you know, about like, uh, what is it, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have something for you. Whether that is another Street Fighter League announcement, whether it's a special reveal of the Capcom Cup, you know, venue, maybe, uh, um, you know, the date that is happening, uh, or if it is the greatly anticipated balance update, new battle mechanic, and Dan coming to the game, we don't know. Uh, we thought possibly it could happen at, like, Topanga, or the Game Awards, or 50 other things and whatnot. Um, as uh, Nicholas Majatenshtan has pointed out to us, Capcom has done, uh, he believes, zero announcements here in 2020 on stream at any point in time. Uh, so <laughs> they have announced a special announcement. It does line up with that timeline. We think it's definitely possible with a bunch of qualifiers in there that it could be potentially, possibly the Dan announcement and reveal and our official release and all that other kind of stuff. But there it is. I don't think it will be for first yeah. and foremost. I'm holding well, and I've learned to not expect a lot from Capcom in this department. So I'm just tired of getting my heart broken. I mean, uh, my heart would be broken if, once again, the community just leaves is left with this big sigh of disappointment in one way or another because expectations aren't met. And I don't think that Dan's coming out uh, in December. I think that it's more likely he's coming out in the first part of 2021. That's just me personally. We, <clears throat> excuse me. We might get an announcement about it. That would be best case scenario as far as I can tell. Yeah. But, man, I'm pessimistic. I, I, I'm the optimistic side. I'll take the other end of the coin. I actually do think this is going to be it because we have not yet heard officially that they're delaying things. And I think at this point in time, uh, Street Fighter's producers would have jumped on and said, hey, uh, we have not been able to meet the timelines. Um, this is not happening now. This is the, the timeline they have kind of told us all along. Uh, what I believe to be at least this matches up with it. So, But again, uh, I'm the glass half full here. Uh, and the full being the, the key word there, sometimes I'm a fool about dealing with this stuff ah, and cute. i see things coming at the game awards i'm like yeah pretty likely gonna happen here it did not happen damn it you know but we got the the ghouls and ghost uh, remake and all that kind of stuff uh, lord knows right it, it, it's we're all guessing here we're all doing our, our rose impressions right <laughs> well but what happens if it is a street fighter league related announcement what if it's you know here's season four is planned for street fighter league and like that's fine maybe it's this Pocky KO stuff that we heard about Fudo and, and Rob TV. Rob TV is very heavily tied into Street Fighter League. He's the host of it right now for the uh, for the U.S. stuff. There's plenty of different things it could be. And if it is one of those things, first of all, that makes general sense. They're doing it on Street Fighter League. But uh, Capcom, 
You're tone deaf because everybody in your street fighter community right now is thinking and asking and wondering and it's about past time for some information about Dan, about when this next thing is coming out. Thank you for letting us know with this whole battle map road plan thing. That was very good, but again, as I'm going to get into later, this is not a great look. And if and if Dan is revealed, it's like, well, that's that's pretty good, but I don't know. I don't want to get too into it. I, I don't want to get angry about it, but yeah. I think that you should let us know, and um, and I think you should just give us more direction. Set up the bowling pins so that we can, or set up the tee so we can hit it out of the park. Something like that. This all this mystery and weird and the doubt and it's just a negative experience more often than not. You want a little bit more information, and I feel the same thing. It's like special announcement could mean so many things, but if they said like special announcement that's really big or something like that, or like they could add a little bit more messaging in there to kind of help with this process to kind of let people know if it's going to be the big thing. I think it's going to be, as I just said, but we will see. If right? it's not, if it's not, how's that going down? How are people going to react if, gonna... if they play the Rashid music and say Street Fighters League season four confirmed now with more bands? Yeah, that's going to be pretty rough at this point in time. And it's like, so, but I'm, I'm not too upset about this because this is a messaging all along they put out there. We've speculated that it could be at other things. Capcom said nothing on that front. It's not it's not a deal, but I can live with this is kind of how I'm at. But you're right. If it's Rashid music again and we don't get what we think it's, it should be basically at this point in time, I'd be pretty upset by that because this is the timeline they've established they need to deliver at this point in time. Either it needs to be an announcement of a delay or they need to have something. They need to have something beyond just a Street Fighter League announcement. And to their credit here, when they did the poll here in the past, uh, they asked people what the most hype part of the Street Fighter summer update was, right? Uh, it was a survey they did afterwards. And they said, you know, what part did you enjoy most? The community had a great chance to say, you know, the Street Fighter League announcement or the content or whatever. Uh, they saw that feedback, and I'm sure they're factoring it in here with what they do at this point in time. I, okay. I hope they're factoring it in with what they do at this point in time. Uh, that's the whole point of putting a survey out there is to see what people really cared about and to cater to that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I have a, a very strong opinion here because you know, we look at this so closely that what the overwhelming majority said is like, we want to know more about the content on the website. Uh, we, we know very personally how well the Street Fighter League announcements do for us and all this other kind of stuff. Like we know it intimately uh, and it is nowhere near what the content announcements of Dan, Rose, Akira, Oro, and the mystery character, what those kind of stories do for us. Those are mm -hmm. by far the vast majority uh, of what people care about. And I'm pretty sure the survey reflected that. So if that's the case and Capcom ignores that, they're tone deaf, as you mentioned, then I'd be pretty upset. That's like, that's really not factoring it in. Like the, the survey would have to be vastly different than, than what we've seen on the website, which uh, I can't see it being that way. Cool. So we're looking forward to Thursday. <laughs> yes, we are. I, I, do, I do venture, I will venture to say that we're probably going to have more people viewing Street Fighter League this week in hopes of Dan. But uh, again, if you don't get Dan here, or if you don't get the season five something or other, then we're just going to feel duped. Even though Capcom didn't say we're going to reveal Dan here, they're technically in their prerogative, sure. But you have to read the room. You have to be in touch with your audience. You have to know where expectations are at. And that doesn't mean that you have to dance to them specifically. It doesn't mean you need to show your entire hand all the time. In fact, you very, very much shouldn't do that. But you need to 
to dance the dance a little more than you have in the past and this looks and smells to me like something that could be a repeat of what we've seen before in that disconnect and i'm just worried about it so hopefully i'm wrong hopefully you're more right but uh, john when has capcom ever given you reason to doubt oh that's the whole my whole segment today baby is (laughs) so i I should i should i'm there's very much a dark filter that i'm processing all this through because well what we're going to talk about today or what i've specifically sort of prepared for the podcast today is kind of in that world and it's it's worth talking about um for for the sake of the future which has been the theme of our podcast in recent times and a lot of the stories on the front page as we get ready for street fighter 6 but so that's why uh, give me a little bit of uh, room here because i have been operating in this particular space and uh, yeah. <laughs> i've well, been revisiting the woes and the, and the tribulations of street fighter 5 on a fairly intimate and emotional level guys so yeah. i'm going to that place so you don't have to <laughs> yeah man you you have every reason to feel that way and and again it's it's uh I, I also feel like an idiot in saying like, you know, hey, like, don't worry, be optimistic about Capcom. <laughs> yeah, when know, will they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but finishing up here, uh, in this special announcement graphic they put out there, there is a solidly sized Champion Edition Street Fighter V logo in there. It could be in there for a million reasons. I'm hoping it's in there for the reasons I'm hoping for. There it is. Uh, I think we can move on here safely. Um, but, you know, we're all going to be waiting with uh, rapt attention here on, on Thursday <laughs> and just hoping that things go Guys, well. the logo for Street Fighters in their announcement. <laughs> that, but, but see, that's what we're hanging on to I with know, this kind of stuff. Like, I that's know, where we're bad. having to bottom of the barrel scrape. Uh, maybe it'll be great. Okay. <laughs> all right. So getting into it, the next up here. Let's talk about how past lessons of Street Fighter V, or Street Fighter V, my goodness, Street Fighter III are impacting fighting games to this very day. And Street Fighter III was in development for about three years. A project running a full development cycle doesn't mean it's going to be received well. Three years is a long time. Street Fighter 3 did not end up meeting expectations or even coming close to it. The game actually lacks so much passion for it internally at Capcom, at least for some of the developers, some of the people that worked on the Street Fighter 2 series. They said they were done with Street Fighter and wanted to work on an entirely different game besides Street Fighter 3. That's how troubled this game was. And uh, so one of the things I want to go back to is that, you know, we talked about we talk about rush development cycles, even with Marvel 3, with Street Fighter 5, obviously, with pretty much everything Capcom has done since Street Fighter 4. Well, Street Fighter 3 actually had a development cycle that lasted three years, where a lot of other fighting games at that time were lasting about a year, and, and that's it. Like, it had a very long development cycle, tons of hype, tons of resources, tons of things put into it, and yet it was not received that well initially by the FGC and by casual gamers at large. Again, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure the game was a, a financial, maybe it ended up breaking even, but that's it, it, I, it's easy enough to call it a failure, I'm sure, for Capcom. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's especially considering the resources and the expectations. Uh, they were, people were so hyped for Street Fighter 3 for the longest time. Um, and, and, it's one of the things I wanted to start with is like, you know, people just think, well, more development time, you know, that that's all it takes. But you also need a very clear vision on what to do and how to approach a game. What will make it fundamentally fun? 
I am not necessarily an expert, but I've been around Street Fighter 3 a little bit, and I've appreciated it, and I've heard other people appreciate the crap out of it, saying that it's one of the most fun to play sort of Street Fighters. Now, that's probably a pretty broad term, and what's fun for one person is not going to be as fun for the other, but maybe we should go into that a little bit, because it sounds like you're implying that Street Fighter 3, widely speaking, wasn't all that fun to play. For, yeah, for actually, the masses. People thought it was very boring, and, and you don't even have to take my for, word for it. You can go back to altgames.sf2, uh, the old news groups or Google groups or however you want to refer to them in this day. The, basically, the thing that preceded forums. Um, and you look on there, and you can see tons of people saying that Street Fighter 3 is a great game, but it's boring as heck to play. And, and it just, the game was so defensive, it was so footsies-based and whatnot, the game actually died off, um, relatively speaking, and then came back and it was mm. i think it was about two or three years after third strike came out that uh i'm not 100 percent sure what to attribute you know that resurgence to um but i know one of the things that is, is cited with it is, is japanese arcades players basically there was a handful of players that kind of kept playing the game and they started to people started to see this extremely high level play that was unfolding that the, the new way of playing street fighter three at that time that was it was a very innovative game in terms of what it brought to the table and it was hard to appreciate that initially you, you know had to dig uh, down a, a few levels before you got to that kind of satisfying worthwhile fun back and forth exactly so you can find the evidence of of how well received the street fighter 3 series was not um and then of course another way of looking at it would be looking at the capcom investor relations sales page we always talk mm -hmm. about you know street fighter 5 selling i think it's 5 million copies now uh street fighter 4 is near like 10 million or something uh there is not a single entry for street fighter 3 on that list the game did not even get close to the million in sales uh that most other games in the franchise had gotten to uh it, it was a pretty big disappointment overall for what it was supposed to be and it's there's a lot of reasons for that we're going to get into more of them but but that's basically the the kind of leaping off point for how the game was received initially sure and i'll underscore that further by just saying look at the part of the timeline for street fighter right after three right it's the big dark ages and it's like there's no way that three's success or lack thereof wasn't a major contributor to that yeah, so even home sales of Street Fighter games have sold down like on the consoles, like uh, arcades were dying off. Um, this level of fatigue wasn't just from inside Capcom, it was outside of it as well. The market had become so saturated that a number of fighting games were outright just washing out. There were a number of really good games created in that period of time, like Rival Schools, that didn't get very much attention compared to uh, how good people thought the game was, simply because they were just inundated with fighting games it was just mm -hmm. the market was flooded with them arcades were dying off home console sales were getting lower it was a dark period of time so even though that we were seeing quality products it was just like the market was not not filling it at all and and people often want to point to like a single thing that goes wrong you know for why something w was a failure um and it, it's probably more polite and probably accurate to say that there, there, there's many factors here, and I wouldn't call Street Fighter Three a, a just you know a failure entirely because I think there's some parts of it were successful, and that's where I go with the more polite thing. It's Street Fighter Three 
calling it a complete failure is not okay, you know, kind of thing. But there was some parts that were successful. Um, so just like looking at the market here to kind of like put a bow on this and actually make this uh, cohesive, it, it is there's so many different lenses you can view this stuff through. Mm -hmm. And if you look at something in absolutes of this was a failure and this was a success, like you, you miss some of the really key points that are important here of Street Fighter 3 really sucked and x y and z categories but in a b and c categories it actually helped push the fighting game community forward in ways we kind of never expected and actually helped it grow and kind of become the hardcore market and and people did see that there was a hardcore market out there that would support these games that that even if casual gamers didn't keep playing them the hardcore gamers would if you appeased them Mm -hmm. So there, there's there's some magic here to Street Fighter 3 that's not lost on me. And so I, I'm trying to paint a little bit of a, a, a more deep picture of this stuff. That's very right to do. And like you kind of said, not the first thing that most people do nowadays. Like I got this one thing. Okay, that's the reason conclusively why the thing failed. I don't need to analyze it any further. It's like, well, that was uh, that was 13% of why it failed. And that's there's, that leaves a lot more to the uh, answer to the overall question of why didn't it work out. Um, and, and so I very much agree with, with what you're getting at here. And Street Fighter 3, I've heard that a lot in recent times, this talk about oversaturation in the markets, and, and I've actually heard a lot about it in terms of Street Fighter Alpha, which was before 3, but then also somewhat simultaneous with it too, right? Because they kind of overlapped, and not only did you have a bajillion and a half copycats and other types of fighting games that wound up being successful, you know, Mortal Kombat and such, and and, um, and all of these 90s fighting games, but then you also had saturation in Street Fighter specifically. And this started with Street Fighter 2 doing as many versions as it did when people were like, aren't we going to get a new, like, like when Street Fighter 3? And then they went to Alpha and did three of those. And then at the same time, halfway through that, they're doing Street Fighter 3. So it was, it was overwhelming to the point where nothing probably emerged as... Uh, very stand out. It was just like, oh, there's so much there. It's just like, eh, I don't, I, I don't need it. There's not, there's not that sense of supply and demand. There's just way too much supply. Something along mm -hmm. those lines, right? And then I've also heard very many times that Capcom wanted to um, actually in in Polygon's oral history of Street Fighter Three that re recently came out. The game wasn't even intended to be a Street Fighter game. I think in its earliest development times, and it actually ended up kind of transitioning and becoming a street fighter game later which is a big part of why there are so many non-street fighter characters to begin with and then it's yeah. like oh crap well let's uh let's throw ryu and ken in there and now it's a street fighter game and <laughs> and there are some benefits to that we have some awesome characters that came out of third strike but at the same time uh we've talked about that on the podcast before how having just so many foreign characters and not enough familiar ground for people that were sort of used to this franchise to stand on was definitely going to be a detriment as well. Yeah. And one of the things they said about that was um, if that fighting game, that, that conceptual fighting game would not have turned into Street Fighter 3, it probably would not have gotten made. Basically, to mm -hmm. get that project to reality, they, they threw Ryu and Kid in there and named it Street Fighter 3. Now, that took a lot of support. It wasn't like this was on a whim and, and Capcom's like, oh, yeah, let's you know slap Street Fighter 3 on any you know project that we... No, this is a big deal. They, they, Capcom felt immense pressure to work on a successor to Street Fighter 2, one of the biggest video games of all time. And this was not you know some haphazard thing. And 
you look back at all the follies that that befell Street Fighter Three, and you can see developers should have they should have known better. They should have anticipated that this game, you know, would have been received this way. Two D graphics were on their way out. They spent a ton of resources on two D graphics. Like three D graphics were all the rage. They should have done that. You know, they 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 got a brand new CPS three board to do this game on, right? And, and you know, the developers they they didn't weren't fully familiar with it and all this other kind of stuff. Hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say. And you can easily spot problems when you look at the past and, and when you know exactly how things are going to play out, right? Mm. But properly anticipating these things, having a strong idea of where the landscape will be by the time your game is done in development and, and how much you know time and money and other stuff like a project is going to take, there's an immense skill in being able to do that. And again, if you don't think I'm accurate on that one, just look around at the various failures for kickstarted you know, projects and other things and how hyped and popular those once were until people saw the results of how those things would actually shake out without the proper people in place to balance and mitigate the numerous issues that come up here. Uh, I know Mighty Number no. 9 is probably <laughs> just shouting from the rooftops right now, especially for Capcom fans of like what, how big that was supposed to be and how incredibly out of control that project got without the proper people in place to, to make sure it happened properly. Um, in the lesson here, here, what I'm trying to get to the FGC is, is keep in mind that this stuff is very difficult and it's good to not heavily prejudge a project that is just at the very start of its release. A number of games that took off in the FGC had a lukewarm initial reception. We just talked about Street Fighter 3, but people... Uh, might be thinking, uh, not be thinking, I should say, of Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which was launched as a fairly unfinished game. It had a lot of problems, but it would become a, a resounding success in the FGC through the years over time as people got used to it. Um, while some people loved it initially and were all in from the get-go, the game actually saw scores in the low to mid-80s out of 100. While not bad, that's not a great score. Mm -mm. And, and to put that into context using letter grades, which you know, are common in school, that's a B. Uh, you know, not a B plus, not an A, just a straight B. It's, okay, sure. You know, uh, so I think with a lot of people's perceptions in the FGC, the game actually ended up being an A plus Marvel 3. Like it, it's just, that game is so well thought of now, but it was not initially. And, and so my big takeaway with this, like looking over history and, and trying to not repeat the same mistakes in the community, controlling what we can control as the FGC, is be a little bit slower to judge the games that come out in the FGC initially. A little slower on like this game is garbage or this game is great or whatever. And try that that fighting games really evolve a lot over time. It, it's really over a year or two period of time that we figure out how good or not a game is. And if you rush to judgment too quickly, it seems to be a, a pretty treacherous way of approaching things. It's interesting that you use Marvel versus Capcom 3 as your example there because development was notably kind of cut short for that game for outside reasons, right? They had seven months later, they did their, their big overhaul ultimate update. And I, I think there were a couple of like tweet, uh, what tweaks and balance patches, but really then development stopped for that game because of the red tape from, from uh, owner, uh, ownership rights and such. And, and still, that story played out where the community was able to continue to dig into things and, and find that place where it was a good game, where it was fun, where it was rewarding enough and such. But nowadays, especially, 
our games and man, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself with a lot of my points here, but they're relevant. So I'm going to say them. Uh, a lot of the games that we have now, almost all of them are continued development, which means not only will the community continue to explore into it, but the developers are going to be able to not quite in real time, but much more real time than they were previously when you had to wait for an entire new version of the game to come out they can do patches like like mad now you know if there's mm-hmm. some kind of glitch some kind of problem they can zip zap it and that can be a double-edged sword uh in that well maybe it's just that you haven't given something enough time and it's actually not as bad as people are seeing right now uh, but it also means that these boxes can get checked much more rapidly and then maybe the community can ultimately go and explore deeper problems and 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 make the game even more refined more rapidly so so there's a lot of potential there but this even happens with a game that doesn't get a ton of development yeah, and, and and this is what we're talking about is be, it's it's not something the community is talking about, but you and I both see it's a thing now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and being a little slower to judge these games because we're in a brand new era and we want to learn from the past mistakes but evolve to what current times are, right? And, and again, so so let's get into it with Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you seeing about this inc- incredibly divisive game? Like, not slightly divisive, but incredibly divisive game. Yeah, so when I approached this, I'm trying to figure out um, more so than just something like, let's note the problems that there were with gameplay and game experience. Uh, I want to look at things at a broader level that kind of nests or encompasses those things. And and we'll inevitably talk about that kind of stuff, like the game coming out of Street Fighter V is like a 60% done game and, you know, throw loops and anti-air jabs and all that kind of stuff. But the bigger lesson that has been taught, and I don't know that Capcom has learned it, but that has at least been taught through this process, um, is something like you need to closer manage your relationship with your fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the way I got to this was that I was thinking about this through the point of view as a fan, more so than, you know, like a, a journalist or anything like that, like as a, as a Street Fighter and Capcom fan. Um, and I was thinking about my emotional reactions throughout the story of Street Fighter V as it came out, as, you know, season one, season two, yada, yada, and how I felt. And then going based on how I felt, unless I'm completely off base, um, that kind of points me to the truth of the, of the matter, something like that. And so there's a much more active and a more immediate relationship right now between developers and consumers when it comes to gaming, right? Than there ever has been. Um, and that's thanks to the way that we have continued support. And that's like, just like a mainstay way of doing video games these days, right? And the expectation is that developers will continually sell and then resell us on these games as they build up and produce more content, right? And, and check more boxes and such. Um, and you can see some really stellar examples of that nowadays. I think MK11 is the best at this so far, but it's also there in Smash, it's there in Tekken, it's, it's all around the place. Like fighting game developers are figuring this out and they're doing it and they're doing it better and better every day. Um, it's, it's, like, it's like that build up before the launch of a game where you reveal a little bit, you know, a character here, two characters there, uh, a game mode at a time, and you get these hype spikes, and you kind of take your fan base on this positive roller coaster of excitement and reveals. And Capcom's fighting game department has been relatively tone deaf in this area, and it has become crucial. Yeah. Let me ask this. Now, we both know that with Yoshinori Ono leaving 
Capcom. And, and basically, he was still, he wasn't quite the head of the fighting game division anymore, but he still oversaw a lot of things. And we know with him out the door that there's some very talented people. We love Ono, but there he had some shortcomings, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to ask you, how much of this do you think is the past where, where Ono was in charge and how much do you think is now and current that, that's swaying your feelings at this moment? Uh, there's uh, something interesting on that. Um, I also want to point out, like as I'm thinking about this as a, as a fan or kind of trying to represent the whole community as fans, I also think of Capcom as sort of a single entity because a lot of times we've highlighted the difference between Capcom USA and Capcom Japan and how there's probably been some lack of communication there and things like that. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to, like, was it Ono that made this call or was it somebody else or were his hands tied? At the end of the day, it's Capcom as a single entity and the fans as a single entity at some capacity. But um, as as far as your direct question there, um, I'm basically saying it doesn't matter, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it does matter on the, on the level of like, well, Ono's the face of the company or was for a while for, for fighting game fans and such. I mean, I don't I don't know how much was directly his his it was all his responsibility as far as I'm concerned. So I mean kind yeah, just of all on, of a, it. on a personal level, how do you feel that was how much is your past feelings versus how much is now? Like with the research you're doing, how do you feel? How does John Velociraptor feel about Capcom right now with all this considered? I have, I have more faith than I did, but, and as I'll get to the end of this, there's still more trepidation than I had maybe even like a week ago. It's, it's getting worse now. Well, quick, well, we were talking about this reveal, right? And, and right now the new stuff in terms of what we're talking about here, the, the way you're going to actively, um, nurture or not nurture this relationship is through the next bit of DLC content that's coming out that everyone's expecting. And as I was getting to earlier, we're waiting on that. And it feels like we've passed the amount of time. And I'm not sure exactly what that is, but like, again, emotionally what's tugging on me and what the, the community seems to feel is that we've passed the amount of time where the, the bubble of hype has popped. And now we're waiting for something else. Now we're done mm. talking about what we've seen. We're done we're done consuming and chewing on what you've given us. That roadmap, you know, we've, we've read through it a billion times. We've read through it backwards. We've sent it through code breaking technology and computers and stuff. Uh, maybe there's more to it, but we're waiting for the next thing. And if you're Capcom, if you're a fighting game developer, you need to be in tune with that and be exactly ready for when people look back and say, okay, we're hungry again. What do you have for us? Here's whatever, some small snack, something to keep people in good graces, to keep your charisma going. And, and I, even being on the optimistic side as I am, I agree with you. It, it's, we went past our normal date for Capcom Cup, which is usually about the second week. You know, we had the game awards, we had all this kind of stuff like happen, and it was like just radio silence from Capcom. So even though this technically fits the timeline that, that they, you know, talked about, I feel it the same way you do. I still feel that like, there's kind of a hole here where like Street Fighter like usually fills that for me and it feels like, no, I'm more attached to Street Fighter than the other games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, that's what we mainly talk about here on the podcast is what you and I play at a, a pretty good clip, right? We, we love the game more than the others and not that the other games aren't awesome, it just happens to be our personal preference. Mm-hmm. So we're a little closer to it and so we probably fill it more than we do the other games, right? Sure. Uh, grass is always greener on the other side. That is not lost to me, but still, 
we also are a, a voice of the community and we see other people reflecting the same emotions out there that we are as well. And they just, it's not a super long time. It's not the worst thing we've ever seen. I think season four was way worse with what <laughs> happened with doing things differently, but it's still like not optimal. It's not efficient. And we pride ourselves a lot in trying our butts off here on event hubs to be on top of this stuff, yeah. to really have one, our pulse on the FGC, what they're doing, but also on our website and how we're doing things. Not that we do everything perfect, but we really try to communicate this stuff in a variety of ways. It's one of the big reasons we started a podcast. We wanted to be able to communicate with people in a whole different way and have a different kind of voice and a different medium out there. And I get what you're saying. It just feels like Capcom is not terribly tone deaf here, but a little bit still too much. Like, come on, guys, give us a little bit more than this. You don't need to announce this like, you know, like a day before it freaking happens. You could announce this a week before it happens and then give us a little bit more details. This is a day before. Like, even if we get the announcement, why did you wait till a freaking day before it? Give us a week. Give us like two weeks or whatever. This Say it's coming. is coming from the biggest fan of Street Fighter V on our team, the guy who's like holding out for it. And I've told you guys how I feel about it. I don't hate it, but I'm very, I'm fairly disappointed in some some ways, right? And 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 even John here, who's who's like, I love Street Fighter V. It's my it's your favorite Street Fighter, right? Yep. Yep. And absolutely. and even and so yes, as I feel my way back through the first chapters of Street Fighter V, it's honestly mostly negative and it's because we were frustratingly left in the dark when it came to both fixing the existing issues that the game launched with and how are things going to happen with the new content and i can process that in one of two ways either capcom was completely out of touch and that by itself implies some bad things but it's not as bad as the second thing here the second thing is or Capcom thinks I'm stupid and will just play a Street Fighter title because the name says Street Fighter and then there's a number. And then even if they release it with it, it only being 60% complete, I'll still play it. And I don't think that's where Capcom was coming from fully. But there are some things about it where I go, I, there's an element of that that is part of this equation. And that's not okay. You know, I mean, uh, when Street Fighter V came out, it wasn't ready. Why? Well, they haven't officially said, but all signs lead to, well, the esports endeavor of we want it to be out for this season of the Capcom Cup, the Capcom Pro Tour, so that we can, you know, do everything that we were planning on doing here and do this whole esports venture. By the way, esports, especially in 2016, was a bad word for like half of the fighting game community. And they were all worried that, hey, you're going to go for esports and you're going to forsake the people and and the people's best interests and it's like you kind of just straight up did that there as far as we can tell and you didn't say anything about it so then whatever we come whatever conclusions we come to it's going to be like well that's what we're going to go with because you're not really saying too much about it mm-hmm. so that's kind of frustrating in by itself um so they they prioritize this over the player experience and then and then when we expressed discontent they still showed too little urgency in putting out the fires that were there. And I've kind of been talking about Capcom's fighting game division instead of just their Street Fighter V division, and that's because I want to tack on Combo Fiend's now infamous functions comment about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, because that points us towards some similar conclusions in terms of if they just think that we'll, we'll, we'll eat it because we like the thing and it, we don't really care about the details. You know, and, and, and to be fair to Combo Fiend, 
I don't think that he was saying what he really thought there. I think there was a lot of red Disney tape around his mouth at the time, but at the end of the day, he's part of that single Capcom entity, and he said what he said. That was what was communicated to us, and those impressions are lasting, man. So, so here I am, back to Street Fighter V as a, as a fan. I'm not getting a full game. I'm not happy with a lot of the mechanics that are in the 60% or so game that I have, and Capcom isn't actively telling me anything. And here's the thing, though. They're not entirely wrong with their approach, as crazy as that might kind of seem. If your game drops and there are still boxes to be checked and reworked, as there are in every game ever, players know, especially now in this, in this chapter of, of continued development and support, it means that those boxes are eventually going to be checked. And they were in Street Fighter V, right? The anti-air jabs are gone, the, mm -hmm. the throw loops are taken out, the input lag was eventually reduced, the missing modes were eventually found and put in the game, the DLC characters came, all of that stuff still happened. And here's the other thing, many of us did still play just based on faith, just because we did still wanna just play a Street Fighter game and we had faith that eventually those things were gonna get fixed. So they weren't entirely wrong with that approach. Although I will say that they probably lost a lot of people along the way that they wouldn't have lost if they were a little more uh, efficient about things. But you're basically, I mean, what, what I'm taking from this is like, you can do it this way, but it's not optimal. You know, it's not really. No, you can't do it this way, man. You just can't. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it got done this way and it worked kind of, but it didn't work that great. You know, it, it's you can do it this way. And I mean, Street Fighter Five has sold almost five million copies. Like calling the game not a success, I think, is a complete and total wad of crap right mm -hmm. now. This it's it did okay. It's not been great. And I've talked with Capcom about this, and, and Capcom employees have flat out told me, like, you know, it's Street Fighter Five is what it is. They don't hate the game or anything like that. At least the people I've talked to. But they're also kind of like this game is older now, and we're kind of ready to move on from it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the game has held up their esports division it's held up a number of things they, they they have made a game as a service that has lasted this entire time and the game has been good enough that they've made a whole brand new season of it uh, to kind of appease the fans and fill the gap a little bit more until street fighter 6 is here and and so where I where I go with Street Fighter Five is that it's not the grand slam that Street Fighter Four was. Uh, it, it's kind of like maybe a double or something like that. Like it worked. It's it's yeah okay sure you know kind of I'm we're not unhappy about it. That's a pretty decent success story of it. Um, you know it, it, some people would you know if, if there's some people in our comments and other stuff that would say it's fifty grand slams and and there's many more in the people uh, of the people who would be like this is like you know three outs in a row like your innings done you're gone you know um well it depends that, on who you I talk like to. that you used grand slam because my next point is that they they figured it out like they did it in a lot of ways we get to season three and they the arcade edition and a lot of the issues with like communication and such and not knowing the characters for the dlc and 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 plenty of other things that the, the input lag was fixed that year later on it's like a lot of those issues were fixed then with that grand and that's what I said. I said it was a grand slam. They, they got it only to the very next year go through the worst year in terms of this with radio silence of eight months. And, and ultimately that made people feel disrespected to the amount that this happened as a, in that expectations of, you know, it's continued service, 
we're going to say stuff. You're going to maybe like change things around. You're going to continue to sell us on this game and such. And we're going to know what, you know, and, and, and by the way, at the same time, all these other games are popping up and doing this better and better, you know, again, Mortal Kombat and yeah. such. Yeah. Um, but so, so then you have radio silence and everything and people, it, it just sucks the charisma out of things. And then when there are announcements, when there is positivity, instead of excitement, a lot of that recitement, excitement gets replaced by by doubt and mm-hmm. it's all like this uphill battle even when you're doing things correctly i i feel like capcom is a constant company of two steps forward one step back and sure. and i i'm it's i think i've said that phrase about him for the last 20 years uh and i'm not even joking about that like it, it, it's they feel like it's like okay we've learned from these mistakes but here is a, a old mistake from our past that we're going to repeat and it's one of the things that we try to do here on Event Hubs is why we're talking about this is like, hey, here's like, we're going to really shine the light on some of the bigger mistakes that you've made. And it's not going to be a comfortable conversation. It's not going to be a happy one. I can tell you there's been numerous times at Capcom that they have been very unhappy with some of the things we've said and done on the website. Uh, and that's life. Um, the, our job as a media is to hold them accountable. We're going to continue to hold them accountable because we love this franchise so much, along with a lot of other of our, our readers out there. We're going to talk about it a lot. It's under a microscope that few other things are under in the FGC. It's it's. I think it has the biggest microscope on it. I can say that with confidence. Mm-hmm. So, Wind blows hardest at the top of the mountain. There you Absolutely. go. Um, and, and so, but it is hard. It's hard to watch them. Like you always want the two step forward and, and not the one step back, or or maybe like a half step back instead, right? Like like less mistakes out here. And and, and I really feel what you're saying. It's like I I can't at least not the same mistakes that you already made. Yeah. I, I can't defend. <laughs> I want to defend them to that degree because I really do enjoy the game and I am more optimistic. On, on the, the future than you are that the very short future it has here right um but i can't disagree with you i get what you're saying you said earlier uh something along the lines of that well now street fighter 5 did keep its head above water and you're right and i've said that before too now again marvel infinite did not keep its head above water and there are two different experiences two different things there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't overlap there and it's hard to quantify exactly you know if, if you could make all of these a, a number and say oh this failure was worth this much and if you got past a certain number then your game would fail something like that like you can't really do that with these games but what you can do is say well what happened around them and and i wonder if Street Fighter V had some other game, some other AAA title drop that was a viable substitute for the people that were going to play it, just like what happened with Marvel Infinite and Dragon Ball Fighters, I wonder if it does succeed. And now maybe there isn't necessarily a game that's on par with Street Fighter in that particular way. That's like not the same type of game that could really come in and steal its lunch. But like that's not going to be. It's not going to be that way forever. First and foremost, but with not with how much fighting games come out and and such and how they're booming right now and it's certainly i mean it might have just been that capcom dodged a bullet in that there wasn't enough competition in the moment of their failure and that wasn't the case with infinite so um i i do want to highlight that yes street fighter 5 has been successful not as much as other titles but it's up there it's it's (laughs) it made it to the platinum list we can give it that um and things have gotten better Uh, things have gotten better with communication and this kind of ties back into what we were saying earlier with the Dan stuff, but... Before we get too far afield, actually, I do want to jump in and say that Street Fighter's history is rich in the fighting game community. And and we are such a historically based 
uh, community. We love our history. We love the the legacies and other stuff that we built. I mean, look at the the, the original pioneers uh, of fighting games in terms of the top players. We still talk about them to this day. Valle, Choi, uh, Tomo, Daigo. Uh, I mean, some of these players are active in our community still. Some are not. They've gone, you know, they've gone away, but we still talk about them. They're still, uh, and we still talk about the original Street Fighter 2 and all this other kind of stuff. Like, we these games they don't go away easily in our community. It's in the biggest games. Look at them now. They're the, the franchises that have been around the longest right now. Uh, Dragon mm-hmm. Ball Fighters is like the one exception, but besides that, it's Smash, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. Uh, it's going to be hard for a brand new IP, a brand new franchise to come in and unseat those those champions that have really held down things for a long time. It could happen, but I am a hardcore advocate for looking at the history of the FGC and seeing that the games that are dominating um, right now have been the ones that have dominated in the past. And it's going to be really hard to unseat Street Fighter of all things. Capcom is... They're the torchbearers for so much. I, I just, I think it's almost impossible to unseat them completely from the FGC. I don't disagree. I think it's a not a very probable sort of a thing to have happen. But at the same time, it just happened with Marvel. So, it, you know, there is an example of it Fair there. Enough. And it, so it is something worth considering. Yes. But you're not wrong. I, I do think that it's, it's going to be uh, no easy feat to do and might never happen. Hopefully it never happens. I'm down with Street Fighter. Um, but I, I do want to get briefly here, and I actually I kind of just want to turn this over to you and ask you, um, things have seemingly gotten better in Season 5, but here we are halfway through December and no new info about Dan, and there's a confusing-ass description about when he might come out, winter 2020, winter 2020, 2021 season, who knows? Um, like I said earlier, it sort of feels like it's past time where, you know, th- there's no written schedule but in our hearts there's some kind of a schedule and you're starting to piss people off and you kind of don't want to do that how are you feeling about their progress have they begun to learn this lesson about dancing with their community more and making their community feel more respected oh and one more thing i wanted to say somewhere in there is that you don't have to show your entire hand like i said earlier that you don't do that but especially if you've screwed up recently you probably need to give your fans enough so that they feel kind of returned to 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 neutral at, at the worst, right? And so if you screwed up recently, maybe you need to show a little bit more of your hand as kind of like a peace offering mm-hmm. or to, to kind of move the needle back. I, I'll say that too. So maybe there was a little more necessary in the world of Street Fighter V because stuff was so rough initially. But my question to you is... How do you feel like uh, things are looking up with this with this recent presentation of Street Fighter Five Roadmap uh, Season Five Roadmap, but it's starting to get rocky again? How do you feel like it's going? Yeah, um, you you asked me if things are improved. Yes and no. Um, the two <laughs> step forward and one step back, I think, is very applicable here. In that, it's got to be the name of our of our podcast <laughs> at this. <time. laughs> um, again, the roadmap is brilliant. This is the first time we've gotten that clear of a roadmap and direction, and Capcom intends on holding to it. And if not, they plan on you know letting us know. Basically, it happened you know previously where we got a bit of a roadmap and other things, but like I think Capcom Japan came out like three or four months later and said, "Hey, we didn't even intend for this roadmap to come out here. Uh, we think it's bullcrap that Capcom USA put." 
put this out and we just we hate what happened like that has not happened so far and I'll knock on wood with that and, and I'm, I'm assuming Capcom's going to stick to it this time um, that to me is big progress because we have a very clear roadmap now um, not only is it detailing the characters that's going to come out but the balance changes that are coming too and, and expectations have been set we know the roster we know so much more that to me is nice plus the whole way that it was presented the, the pageantry of it getting to, to see the two producers of the game talk about the game see the passion and love they have for Street Fighter be very apparent for that and just hear them talk about the game in a very nuanced and thoughtful way uh, they covered so many announcements there it was a very polished and smart product compared to what we're used to for Street Fighter 5 and that made me very happy uh, it was very clearly communicated that was going to happen um, we didn't know how it was going to happen. That they brought in guests, they brought in Kenny Omega, who everyone like loves. It's it, it's mm -hmm. it's perfect. Like they they really nailed it. Um, and, and so this next part here, this this bit too long of a delay in here. Like they should have announced stuff in advance. We should know what's happening to some degree. Like see, it's a big a special announcement. I get that, but that could just mean more Street Fighter League. It could mean a bunch of other things. And, and Street Fighter League is great. It's an awesome thing, but it's not the same as the content. Capcom knows this. We know this you gotta be as you say it's a bit tone deaf is that the worst crime ever no we've seen far worse we've seen far worse from capcom with street fighter 5 but it's still a little bit as you would term it in the past a black eye it's it's i see it as short term a black eye short term a a, a hiccup sure long term i think it's a slow bleed i think that if we go long term and capcom just keeps doing things this way with street fighter either what we said earlier something that's close enough to street fighter will come in and it will take its place or people will slowly bleed out and and enough people will eventually leave where it just it just dies uh, or or just gets downgraded significantly where you know because because you look at well street fighter 4 sells something like 9 10 million 9 million uh street fighter 5 significantly less still trying to get quite up to five million well if they do it all the same for street fighter 3 maybe we're down at three yeah. and then maybe we're down at two and then you know so uh, i i i earlier when you said that this isn't the worst thing uh, and that it, you know i don't i think that you can't sustain this long term mm. i think it's definitely done a number i think street fighter 5 could have come out a lot more successful than it was than it did and uh and to to learn this lesson now is going to be huge for Capcom's at least Street Fighter department. Yeah, and I mean, just to give another example, because we've hit the other examples quite a bit, but Tournament Edition. Ono gave a big interview, and he talked about the Tournament Edition of Street Fighter V being a gigantic addition to the game in complete and total radio silence after that. And I don't know if that plan got, you know, moved on to Street Fighter VI or whatever, but I wanted to give another example of kind of the, the tone-deaf nature that Capcom has had in the not-too-recent past uh, of not giving us anything on this. And we've asked them. We've, we've been like, hey, what's going on with this? And we got radio silence back. And I know that there are very, very excellent communicators at Capcom. Uh, I've spoken with them on many occasions, so have you. They are very, very, very good at their jobs, but when their hands are tied and they can't say anything or they don't get answers, that's a problem. And so it's it's yet another thing. It's yet another you know rock to pile on, the, the giant mountain of, of Capcom. But how different is the story if they were able to do a little bit of that and at least yes. let us know? Yes. Like, 
uh, growing up watching cartoons, there is always, and I think everyone knows if you've watched cartoons, there's always, you know, in the ones that teach you about life and stuff, there's an episode where, you know, mom and dad start and they tell the little kid protagonist, hey, we just got this fancy new vase or something, you know, and don't run around the vase. And then they leave. And what happens? The kid thinks that they know better. They run around the vase. They break it. Mom and dad come home, and what do they do? They, they, they lie about it, or they do something to avoid it. They don't face the issue, and what was initially just, yeah, it's a problem, it's a mistake, but it's not unforgivable. The, the lesson that you learn from those episodes is that it's much better to confront it head-on and fix things now because the problem only grows when you pretend like it's not there or when you, when you fail to confront it. Uh, it's like, you know, you tell the lie, now you have to keep track of your web of lies and things implode on you and it gets much worse. So anyways, it, it feels like that's been more the route Capcom has taken. It's like, sure, you, you screwed up at the beginning. You broke a whole case of vases with Street Fighter V's launch. Fair enough. You're going to get to fixing them. And we kind of already know that you will. But tell us about it yeah. at least a little bit, especially if you just dropped a case of aces. In front of us, man. <laughs> it, like, don't don't treat us like we're idiots. And, and this is why we're doing this, right? This is why we're talking about it. It's not the worst crime ever, but it's like, as you say, it's a cumulative thing. It's like we don't want to see this build up over time and become a, another mm -hmm. sore thumb that we have. We're trying to head this stuff off at the past before it becomes a bigger issue. And, if you don't pay the parking ticket, it eventually becomes more than a parking ticket. You don't go see a big court, it eventually becomes a much bigger problem. So. It, and it's why we're hitting this stuff. It's a, we're expressing the frustration that we personally feel, but also what we're seeing in the community. This is not mm -hmm. just coming from us. This is coming from other people as well. And it's just, it, it's a bit of a black eye. And hey, let's let's be better than that. It's 2020. It's almost 2021, which is hopefully going to be a much better year. Let's <laughs> be better than that going forward. And, and Capcom, please hear us when we say this. We're not just saying it for our own benefit. We are We are mirroring a number of the opinions we're seeing out there in the community. Yes, and you have a community that wants to love your game, wants to love you, still does love you and your games, but make it easier to do so. Um, okay, I think I've said enough on that on that front. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit up here, and this is not directly fighting game related, but I'm sure we'll tie it back in a few ways. I got a new Raptors recommendation. I'll totally make this look cool! All right, what you got? Well, I've recently been turned on to someone that maybe a decent amount of you might already know about, but it's new for me, and uh, I want to just kind of share my initial um, experiences with it, and that is uh, Wim Hof. He is a Dutch... Well, he's known as the Iceman, <laughs> and he's a Dutch super athlete who has achieved some ridiculous superhuman feats that you would think is just absolutely impossible and that would kill you. I'm talking he's climbed uh, over 23,000 feet on Mount Everest wearing nothing but shorts and shoes. Um, he reached the top of Mount Kilimanjaro in only two days wearing nothing but shorts and shoes. And, uh, and I think it was in September of this year that he ran a full marathon in the Namib desert without water. And you go, that's not possible. Um, and, and scientists are running experiments on him. They're working with him. They're doing a, a lot of research right now. And in fact, I even heard that they they did something like they injected him with like an E. coli non like an E. coli solution that would give you a bunch of symptoms and such. And they, they just absolutely didn't manifest in Wim Hof. Wow. He was able to control. Well, he claims he's sort of able to control some of the systems that your your body does um, without your 
your consent or, or, or control at all. Um, and he's able to sort of like manipulate and regulate that stuff. And, and the idea here is maybe he's tapped into the potential of humanity in a way that people more or less have not or at least have forgotten. Now, um, just real quick to give this a little bit more context too, this guy is 61 years old. Uh, this is <laughs> <laughs> not some young, you know, 20 year old or whatever, you know, that's a, a freak of nature in terms of like their, their physique and other stuff. Uh, this is a 61 year old man who's in very good physical shape, but he's an older gentleman, so. Yes, yeah. So, hey, you can do it too, 61-year-old people. Yeah, so so a lot of his uh, training is, is dealing with extreme cold. Um, and so there are some, there's the Wim Hof method uh, that you can kind of practice. And I've been doing uh, two different things in my day-to-day life that uh, will hopefully kind of refine me to get, closer to being able to do stuff like run marathons in African deserts without water in September. Now, the first of these is a breathing technique, and you can find this very easily on the on like YouTube and such, and um, the Wim Hof breathing technique, which is essentially continual inhalation and exhalation for about 30 breaths. And what that does is it really raises the oxygen level in your blood, and I think it raises your pH level for whatever that does. Um, and then you uh, breathe out and you hold your breath there, and you can hold your breath for an amazingly long time. It's cool just to do this, just to say you did it and to impress yourself. I can hold my breath for like around 30 seconds these days. I haven't done swimming or swimming lessons for a long time. Um, and, uh, and when I tried this the first time, I got to 90 seconds and I could have gone farther. Uh, it was just a guided breathing or a guided video and he says, you know, okay, that's enough. And so I stopped, but I realized 90 seconds and I could have kept going. Mm-hmm. And that was where I was like, okay, I'm going to see where else I can go with this because this is pretty intriguing. And just to have some backing on this, uh, something uh, David Blaine, who people might mm-hmm. be a little bit more familiar with, actually does too. Deep sea divers do it too. Yeah, it's uh, he just talks about how you can really, I think, oxygenate your blood um, by certain breathing techniques and whatnot. And it actually enables you to hold your breath for longer periods of time. And I think Penn and Teller um, uh, are famous for this too because uh, uh, um, Teller can hold his breath for like, six or nine minutes or whatever and they do these Mm -hmm. crazy skits um you know uh shows and stuff that they put on with people um but i know pen gillette is very adamant that their their routines are safe like they they don't believe in doing dangerous magic because it's they're putting on a show and they're making it seem like it is but he, he always says like afterwards like this is this is very controlled this is very safe we're not actually risking our lives here we do make it seem in the moment like it's that way but it you know it and so there's a lot of interesting techniques you can do uh, and and very popular magicians have popularized uh, popularized it if i can get that word out there but yes mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not actually shooting bullets into each other's mouths and catching them with their teeth. <laughs> um, so the other thing uh, is is basically cold showers, icy blasts at the end of your shower. Um, that's actually, I guess, uh, you probably heard about doing this outside of the Wim Hof technique, but it's really good for a lot of different things, one of them being inflammation and such. Um, but also doing it is just like, I, I, I had to psych myself up for it. So I get in the shower, and by the way, I am the biggest princess when it comes to temperatures and showers. If uh, if my fiance, for instance, opens the bathroom door while I'm taking a shower and does not close it so I don't get my sauna experience as I get out and it's cold, we're gonna have words later because I'm a big weenie about that kind of stuff. But for this, I put on my big boy pants. Actually, nothing in the shower, but uh, in the shower at the end of it, um, you kind of psych yourself up, and I put on the Super Saiyan 3 trans- 
transformation music because that's my go-to right before a top eight tournament match thing to listen to to get pumped up. Crank that sucker over to cold and for at least 30 seconds stand under it. It's only stressful and uncomfortable for about seven seconds or so and then you're kind of just used to it. And I got to say, you very quickly reach this euphoric state where I'm, I can't help but like kind of chuckle to myself. I feel extremely energized afterwards for a good 10, 15 minutes. And like the kink that you have from waking up, uh, you know, having slept on your, your neck wrong and you're older than 30 and, you know, the thing in your back, those were completely gone again for like the next 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, and and the the bigger takeaway though from all this the reason why you would do this breathing method and you would do this exposure to cold is going out and meeting stress as opposed to waiting for it to come to you there's something significant about that feeling of okay i have that sense of i need to breathe now but i'm also sort of empowered to fight it and i can actually let that come and then not breathe and it passes and it feels like i have overcome that stress in a mm-hmm. small way when i'm under that water I-, I hate it for a minute you know for, for for 7 seconds or so and then i've overcome it and it was on my terms that i went out and met that stress there's something significant on the psychophysiological plane uh, if you go out and you fight the dragon you don't wait for it to meet you in your own on your own couch because you haven't been doing anything you use a whole different part of your brain that's associated with approach and challenge and if you don't if you just wait for it to come to you then you're using a part of your brain that's associated with defense and withdrawal and that's associated with a bunch of negative feelings anxiety and, and, and stress and such the other one is associated with positive feelings like when you're overcome when you, you feel triumphant i have to jump in and just say that that exact description of, of the positive things of taking on a challenge is exactly how i feel about street fighter 5. that is yeah. not a game you can play passively and and let it come to you you have to impose your will on that game. And it is a brutal challenge. It is a roller coaster. It is a vicious and disgusting and hardcore game. It's one of the most hardcore games we've ever had in the fighting game community. And it's why people hate it, but it is why I love it. Because that challenge, knowing you could be KO'd at any minute and having to balance on that, that razor's edge and, and be, you know, bleed out as you're doing so to some degree. But being able to 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 walk that path is incredibly rewarding. That 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 rush that you get from it. Everything you were describing here is so similar to how I feel about Street Fighter Five. And it's it it applies to so many avenues of life because it, with so many things, they can be something that follows you around and bothers you or that confronts you on their terms. But if you turn around and you confront those things on your terms you're going to have one a much better time in life generally speaking you're going to be doing stuff and you're going to be pursuing things and you're not going to be running and you're not going to be feeling like you have the emergency brake on while you're trying to run as fast as you can it's like it's really hard on you to be stressed going to the gym and lifting weights what happens you go and you do you stress your muscles on purpose but it's on your terms and it's controlled this kind of thing is doing that exact same thing on maybe a psychological level and it's strengthening your psychological muscles and this guy does it uh, to such a degree that he's pulled off some amazing feats i don't plan to get there but i think i can get a lot better than than i guess who i am now 
and uh, and I'm excited to just keep doing this cold showers and uh, <laughs> and and these breathing techniques. And then maybe you know maybe I'll do a tough mutter. This mm. is by the way, tough mutters make no sense to me. That's where they like they, you go under icy water and they have like those electrical wires hanging down that zap you. It's like I have no idea why people do that. Now I know why people do that because yeah. they're confronting the stress of those things on their own terms. Haunted houses, same things. It's yeah. Anyways, there's a lot here, and I very much encourage you guys to uh, to check it out, see what you know, consume it to to your level of comfort and such, but give it a shot because I think there's something here. And, and just to back it up a little bit, you don't have to take our word for it, or, or Wim Hof, or David Blaine, or whoever. Uh, if you want to go more FGC, you can look at none other than Tokido, who has had more success than he has ever had in Street Fighter. And one of the main things that you see him doing is breathing techniques between matches, and in it, whether that's the exact same thing that's going on here or it's some extension of that or some, you know, something in a similar vein, it's working for him and mm-hmm. it's working very well for him. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good advice here on how to take yourself to a next level on a lot of different things. This can help you in your everyday life as well. Right. Um, and, and there it is. Sounds good to me. Yep. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. See ya.